Welcome everyone, once again. Uh, and I always like to begin my programs, as I was saying, by quoting my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began all of his by saying in Hindi, Subko Barisanmane Kesat Premse Ardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always say that that's the essence of spirituality. Not esoteric practices and hidden mantras and so on, but a simple movement of the human heart. So in that spirit, I want to welcome you. And uh, very joyous occasion, chant Om uh, Hari Ram, and to uh, draw on the teachings of my favorite of all the great yogis and saints. And that is my guru, Swami Muktananda. And that picture is from one of his uh, world tours, actually the last world tour. Uh, now, many of you who, who weren't around for those years will just think of it as a big kind of homogenous lump, being with Baba. But those of us who did live those years knows that it, it divided itself into chapters, different times. Um, in my memoir, Ganeshpuri Days, the Ganeshpuri Days I talk mainly about are the what I call the early years. Of course, they were years before I was there, but they were, for me, the early years from the 71 to 74 in the ashram, a time of fewer people and a lot of uh, sadhana practice. And then there was the second world tour. He'd just been on a short first world tour. The second world tour, which I accompanied him on, um, was uh, uh, two years long. And it was quite spectacular. People started flocking. He was a bit of a Pied Piper in those days. And people were coming out of the woodwork. And they all went back to Ganeshpuri. And we had the, the time between the second and third world tour. I wasn't there. I was out in the field running ashrams. And then came the third world tour, which was the most spectacular and extraordinary of all. All kinds of people. It was big numbers. And, uh, and that's going to be the feature of tonight's program. Let's see another shot. This is Baba from, from that third world tour. <clears throat> is there another one now? No? Okay. Um, okay, so tonight it's kind of, uh, there'll be a few things from not just the third world tour, but from a few other times uh, during those years. Uh, but I I like to look through old magazines and old Siddhapath magazines. Uh, and uh, I found uh, uh, something from Los Angeles, 1981. And this was, uh, uh, Los Angeles was the culmination of Baba's three tours. Uh, we had a big uh, tent. And every night, 2,000 or more people would come a lot of them from the Hollywood community, actors, directors, musicians, all kinds of uh, people. It was quite a show, quite extraordinary. And during those years, that time there, about a year, less than a year, but almost a year, uh, there were some big programs. One of them was for psychologists, uh, but a very memorable one was his talk uh, for meditation and the arts, in which Everyone was invited from uh, movie stars, all kinds of people. It was quite a glittering 
uh, glittering night. And in looking back, I found Baba's uh, talk on that night. It's quite a wonderful talk. <clears throat> First, some pictures. What do we have from... Okay, so here's Baba entering the hall, which was a, a, a temporary structure built on the waterfront in Santa Monica. And it, it could house well over 2,000 people. The, for this uh, event, there were 2,700 actors, directors, singers, and writers, and a few odd swamis. Uh, you see Baba's walking in. I can recognize, uh, uh, who's the actor? Uh, Raul Julia. Julia. Raul Julia there, yeah. I, don't, I can't see it on the... He's there. Uh, yeah. Oh, it's possible. Anyway, there's Baba walking in the hall. What else do you have? Next one. Ah, to get an idea of the size of the crowd, uh, I can see Marsha Mason there, sitting, the actress Marsha Mason and some others. And next. Oh, John Denver, the, the singer, is meeting Baba here. And uh, there's... Uh, uh, Guru Mai, Malti, in those days, next to Marsha Mason. I see Sally Kempton, who was the reporter behind, and so on. So, and we got one more? Ah, here's a, during that period, there's a sharing session, and there's an actress, an actress, oh, you're seeing, actress, uh, that's Lee Taylor Young, the actress, sharing, and the, the monitor who carried the microphone around is someone maybe slightly familiar to to the right of to the right of uh, her, sitting there, looking very uh, one pointed. You know which one it is. Yeah. There she is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> you can't have a copy of it. Okay. Great. <laughs> it's wonderful, isn't it? Okay. So this is from Baba's talk, Meditation in the Arts, Santa Monica, February 26th, 1981, 2,700 people. Marsha Mason, the actress, introduced Baba. And she said, uh, over the years I've used what Baba has taught and tried to incorporate that teaching both into my career and into my life. Baba is the greatest teacher in the world. All you have to do is look at him, and you'll find out how to be a teacher, how to be an actor, how to be a stand-up comedian, how to be a philosopher, how to be kind and compassionate and an understanding friend, how to be a father, how to be a mother, how to administer teachings with softness and sweetness and a great deal of humor. And now please welcome Swami Muktananda. Fantastic, huh? Uh, she didn't mention the discipline you'd learn also, which Papa gets to she later, but... Give that no, no, that was only for my <laughs> years there. The third world, yeah, third world till there's old grace. It's all about fun. And before I start, I want, to tell, I want to mention three sutras from the Shiva Sutras, which is the foundational text of the Trika, Kashmir Shaivism. And um, these uh, three sutras are about the arts. Um, the first one is Nartak Atma. The self is the dancer or the actor. Uh, the second one is Rango Antaratma. The inner self is the stage. 
And the third one is Pekshakani Indriani, the senses are the spectators. So this is all taken from the world of aesthetics, all these sutras. The self is the actor, the dancer, and the, the self is also the stage. And Baba talks about these in there. Baba says, in the great philosophy of Kashmir Shaivism, there is an aphorism which says that the self is the actor. The commentary on this aphorism states, the self hides his true nature and adorns himself with the three states, waking, dream, and deep sleep states, which comprise his nature. In this way, he enacts the drama of the world. The self is a true actor. Every one of you is simply a reflection of that actor. He's talking to all the actors. <clears throat> you play just one role, but this supreme actor assumes many forms and wears many costumes in order to carry on this strange drama of the universe. He brings his, this entire world out of himself. He is nothing but consciousness, and everything is his play. He contains all feelings. Who but Shiva can have the power to manifest this drama of the cosmos? <clears throat> Where does he play his roles? Not only is the self the actor, but the self is also the stage. The inner self is the fascinating, bewitching stage for the Lord of the universe. The inner self is nothing but Hollywood. <laughs> the self plays different roles upon his own being. He does not use some other stage. He uses himself as the stage to perform his drama. And here's Bob is quoting from, really from Pratyabhijna Vidayam with the first two sutras say that the, uh, the Shiva, the Lord, or cosmic consciousness, chitti, consciousness, creates the universe, but where does he create it? There's nowhere else to create it except on her, his own being. So the same universe that's created is also created within consciousness itself. Hence, you have uh, the non-dual philosophy of Kashmir Shaivism, which says that this whole universe is nothing but consciousness. It's a wonderful thought to explore interiorly, very much against the materialist view that most of us were brought up in. Everything is consciousness. <clears throat> he says, he says, he himself through the inspiration of his own powers manifests and expresses all the feelings of the drama of the world through his senses. I, I love that Baba brings in the feelings. He's talking about because the universe is not just a dead thing full of objects. It's full of passion, full of intensity, full of feelings, full of terror, full of love, full of frustration, full of fulfillment. It's got all those intense feelings which make it a drama, make it something riveting and uh, quite terrifying, actually. He says, through their inner eye, those who are wise enough to see the Lord himself in every form, those wise beings who realize that the act of the self is in everybody and everything become free from fear. They live in a world, in this very world, without any terror, understanding that it is the Lord himself who is performing the whole drama. And even though Hollywood people had many of them, money and fame and so on, 
they still had plenty of angst, plenty of terror. And Baba's saying that a yogi who understands the way the universe really is lives fearlessly. When you lose your sense of duality, Baba says, you start to see the same one consciousness, the same God who is your own self everywhere. This is called the outlook of Shiva. Of course, he's quoting one of the earliest books on Shaivism called Shiva Drishti, a book by the ancient sage Somananda. Uh, and Shiva Drishti means Shiva's vision, the way Shiva looks at the world. You know, Shiva looks at the world differently from the way you and I do, normally, unless you've attained Shiva. Um, Shiva Samavesha means oneness with Shiva. But most of us look at the world as a place where we get what we want, or more usually we get what we don't want, we don't get what we want. It's a frustrating and difficult place. But the outlook of Shiva is different. Baba is talking about the outlook of Shiva, seeing everything as the one consciousness. No struggle in that, just oceans of peace and also of love. Baba says, when you have the outlook of Shiva, you have the awareness that you are the self. You know that you belong to this world, which is the self, and that this world belongs to you. That's a very big statement. You are the self. Baba once told me to contemplate it. And it's not something that you immediately understand deeply. You have to contemplate. You can go inside, and it means to accept that and, and go deeper into that thought so you can truly understand what it means because it has vast, even cosmic implications for the way you live your life and how you think of yourself and how you live with other people. Baba says, now I want you to know that this is not the attitude of a deluded person. This is not the understanding of a person who's come out of a mental institution. This is the attitude of a sensible person. Once you have this understanding and attitude, then you can create heaven in this very world. So he's saying basically that our experience of life is not based on circumstance, as in the four things in a good situation, you can do in a bad situation, that our, the quality of our experience is based mainly on our own attitude. If our attitude is very great, then nothing can get in the way of the joy of living. But that takes a lot to get to that such a great attitude. He says, this world is the most sublime theater which was created by him to please all individuals. In this theater of the world, whatever role you decide to perform is the experience you'll have. If you play a humorous role, you will laugh. If you play a depressed role, you will cry. It's true. Every human being has the freedom to play all these roles. A lot of us feel sorry for ourselves and cry and cry and feel sorry for ourselves and cry and cry. And Bob is saying that's our choice. You don't have to make that choice. You can make another kind of choice. But you don't really, the truth is, you don't really become free to make such a choice until you've worked on yourself and understood yourself deeply. But then as you grow in understanding yourself, your freedom comes and choice comes and the power to move towards the light rather than to darkness comes also. 
He says every human being has the freedom to play all these roles. God is totally democratic. Our leaders do not have so much sense of democracy. It means that, and this is a hard one to swallow, we choose the quality of our own life by the inner choices we make, our mental, emotional choices. Baba says, God's film, God's drama is so amazing and so unique, it is beyond the mind of a human being. Everything is contained in this drama, good and bad, love and hatred. <clears throat> Our mundane dramas, if there is an actor uh, but no actress, then there's no fun. Even if you have an actor and actress, if they do not fight, if there's no conflict, the drama is not very interesting. In the same way, the world drama, in the world drama, everything appears. There's everything you could want in it. A great being called Bhattrahari, one of Baba's favorite poet saints, uh, depicted the drama of this world. He said, over there in one place, there's a group of scholars in discussion, and there are people there listening to them. They're talking about God. They're experiencing divinity, and they're very happy. <clears throat> now, of course, I come from the academy, and so the scholars I know never discuss God at all. But Baba means a different thing by scholars. He means kind of theologians and, and yogis. Uh, he, Baba says, in another place you find people fighting furiously with one another. As you move on, so we're sort of walking through the, the, the theater of the world, aren't we? From space to space. Over here they're doing this, over here they're doing that. As you move on, you find musicians playing different kinds of instruments. Go further and you come across people weeping wailing and beating their heads, crying over the loss of someone. This is a picture of the universal drama of that great actor. In another place, you see young men and women rubbing their bodies against one another, saying, I love you, I love you. <laughs> Elsewhere, you come across doddering old men who can hardly speak and are leaning on their canes. After describing the world in this way, Bhattrahari asked, what is this world after all? Is it poison or is it nectar? All these things exist in the world, and we go through all of them. That's why the Buddha said, there's old age, disease, and death, so many difficulties in life. What is the purpose of it? And this reminds me, poison or nectar, reminds me of a story Baba used to tell about how there was uh, a contest in heaven. and. Um, three great philosophers from the East were challenged. Uh, one of them was Confucius, one was Lao Tzu, and uh, one was the Buddha. And the angel of God came and said, here's the essence of the world. And I want you to taste it and describe the essence of the world. So um, you don't even know who the hero of this uh, story is. I always felt the hero was strong, but my favorite would have been Lao Tzu, but, um, uh, and it wasn't the Buddha either, <laughs> Confucius. So anyway, uh, oh no, that's not right. No, Lao Tzu's the hero, that's good. That's right, sorry. Sorry. You Taoists can forgive me. I'm, go I'm getting there. So, so first the Buddha came, and, uh, well, maybe I should say Confucius came first. Okay. 
They, they gave the essence of Confucius like a, a scoop of ice cream, world ice cream. And um, uh, the Confucius tasted and said, delicious, fabulous, wonderful. I love it, because he was a courtier. He was a man of the world. He loved the world. So then the angel gave it to the Buddha. The Buddha, of course, we know what his attitude was. The world tasted, oh, terrible, bitter, bitter, no good. And then they gave it to Lao Tzu. And Lao Tzu tasted, and he said, ah, it's nothing in itself. It's how you experience it. It's what you add to it. Do you add love and joy to it? Or do you add misery and suffering to it? And the angel said, you win. You have won jeopardy this week, and you will return against Bhagwan Nityananda next week. <laughs> so. <clears throat> so that was that story. <clears throat> A great, all right. How can we transcend this state of the world, Baba asks. It's very important that we think about this and understand it. Everyone looks for happiness. Everyone. An actor looks for happiness. An actress looks for happiness. An artist looks for happiness. Businessmen look for happiness. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, your only desire is to find that happiness. <clears throat> this desire is so great that it is totally blind. Baba says, I read a poem by an ecstatic being in which he said, the world is like a marketplace. It's filled with desires. Because you go, now it would be a, a shopping mall. You go to a big mall. Here we have, uh, what's it called, the big one? What? Chadston. What? Chadston. Chadston, big Chadston mall, big one. Not by American standards, but by Australian standards, quite big. And it's filled with everything, every desire you could possibly have. Um, and he says, the world's like a marketplace. It's filled with desires. In this market, everything is sold. The Sufi saint who wrote the poem said, praying to the Lord, O oh Lord, how great it is that you are behind the veil, that no one can see you. Because if you were to reveal yourself, these people would sell you too. Baba goes on, genuine artists are really needed. Now he, he talks about the responsibility of the artists. Very interesting. He says, genuine artists are really needed in this world, inspiring them. They're priceless, an actor, a dancer, through his power of his performance, can take the world anywhere. In India, there was a spiritual movie in which an actor called Pagnis played the role of Tukaram Maharaj, the great saint of Maharashtra. I saw that movie. It's a very cute movie. Pagnis was the star, played Tukaram. <clears throat> Many people saw this movie. They saw how he loved God, how he chanted. Tukaram was a poet saint uh, of Maharashtra from about the 17th century. How he chanted, how he pursued spirituality. They were so impressed by the power of his role that they also began to chant and pursue God themselves. <clears throat> there were some people who gave up everything for 10, 15, or 20 days and really chanted God's name and pursued God. They probably also thought of the actor as something of a holy man, probably asked him spiritual questions. <clears throat> I say this to show how many, much people imitate what actors do. I respect actors, actresses, dancers, artists, and writers because they can take people to heaven. On the other hand, all these artists can make people drown in hell. 
As I read that, I remember that when I first got there, there were lots of Bollywood stars used to come to see Baba, some of the biggest stars of those days. And we even did a program in, in Mumbai at the uh, house of uh, uh, Raj Kumar or uh, Rajendra Kumar, one of those guys. Anyway, today actors, artists, musicians, and writers are the guides for young people. These guides do not try to understand whether their example is going to benefit the world or harm it. They do not try to understand whether their guidance will improve young men and women or degenerate them. Once an American movie came to India, it was called How to Steal a Million. And I actually looked it up. There was such a movie. It was 1966, Audrey Hepburn, Peter O'Toole, comedy heist film, and played in India. Baba says, it was fantastic. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw it, but when this movie was playing in Bombay, the, he might have, yeah. Well, this movie was playing in Bombay, there were robberies everywhere. Banks and restaurants and hotels on every street. People learned from this movie how to steal smoothly and easily. <laughs> is that really true? That's amazing. <clears throat> An artist is responsible to his entire nation. You should know what a heavy responsibility you carry. Bearing this in mind, you should try to understand what people need in this world. What does a person yearn for? He wants peace. He wants prosperity. He wants repose. Everyone in the world is running after these things in one direction or the other. Nevertheless, peace is within and not outside. We do experience this peace in our day-to-day -day life, but we're not aware of it. Peace is within, but we look for it outside. There is an ocean of peace in every person's heart. But you have to search for that. You have to find that. <clears throat> Therefore, first of all, know your own self. Understand your own self. Now you're only filming others. We are only watching what others are. Instead, you should film your inner self and see what you are. This is the main mistake a human being commits. He only sees others. If you understand yourself, then you realize that you are the flame of God. The self is the joy of all joys. The self is the glory of peace. The self is the beauty of the heart. <clears throat> what, a, what, a, what a great teacher, huh? great being. Sally Kempton, who is reporting this, writes now, when the program was over, the entire room stood up to applaud Baba and then crowded up in threes and fours to meet him. They approached him with great openness and reverence, offering him flowers and thanking him for his words. I really appreciate his talking like that, one member of the audience said afterwards. I never heard anyone speak as frankly as he did. Another actor said that he'd gotten more out of his hour and a half with Baba than any event he could remember in years, and he felt Baba's candor had opened him to that learning. Great, huh? How good is that? Beautiful. Uh, how are we doing? I can do a few other ones. Or the rasa of that is so wonderful, though, isn't it? Yeah. Now I'll bring you down with other things. Uh, well, this is this is from India. Uh, a little a little earlier than that, between the second and the third tour, India, 1977. 
and it's about a different topic called Baba's Discipline. <clears throat> and Sally writes, this is from the Siddhapath, Sally writes, the discipline of the Ganeshpuri Ashram is famous, and Baba protects it lovingly and instills it into new people almost as, as assiduously as he instills meditation. I can attest to this, the truth of that. Uh, the other day in the Siddha Yoga training course, he spoke very strongly about why he does this, Baba said. <clears throat> they were train, training people to run centers and, uh, and so on, teach meditation. Baba says, when people come to the ashram, they shouldn't behave in such a way as to bring about their own and others' downfall. This ashram is not here to be filled with people, but to be filled with good qualities. That's why I'm very strict here. I'm like the commander-in-chief of an army. If someone lack, breaks the discipline, I kick them out. It doesn't matter who they are. We used to call him the Field Marshal Muktananda. Of course, I don't, I'm much more kindly than that. Because of that, I let people live here with bad qualities, and that doesn't work out very well. <laughs> in the ashram, one shouldn't behave as one does in a club. At all times, you should remember where you are and perform the actions appropriate to the ashram. And Gurdjieff uh, used to say, remember why you came. So you came, you come to the ashram for the noblest possible purpose, to know the self, to know consciousness, to know God, to know divinity, to know who you really are. And then as you get involved in the daily routine of it, you become less uh, aware, less attentive, and you slip into mundane habits. So that's why Baba says, remember where you are, remember why you came, remember your purpose. When you're in the ashram, Baba says, you should live like sannyasis, like swamis. When you leave, you can again become householders. If only if you live in the ashram in this way, only in this way, you become worthy of receiving knowledge. <clears throat> you have to live a certain way to receive the shakti, to receive the understanding. So, <clears throat> so what is the, the real discipline of the ashram? Is not the daily routine, getting up and doing this and doing that and being on time. That's very important. But there's a deeper discipline of the ashram, and that is to stay in touch with the shakti, with the self, to move with the shakti. As Bhagwan Nityananda said it in the most perfect way, bhavana rako, to keep that feeling, that attention on the divine, to keep that attention on the self. And that's the real discipline of the ashram. And when you move in that way, you're in harmony with the purpose of the ashram, the flow of the shakti, the energy of the ashram, and you're elevated. And when you move away from that, you become alienated. And it causes a lot of suffering and turmoil. And the, the, the practice of it is to learn to live in that because these laws don't apply only in the ashram, they apply everywhere. So you learn the life in the ashram, you can bring it out into the world. So he goes on. In the Gita, Bhagavad Gita, the Lord has said that the exertion you put forth during your sadhana, during your spiritual practice, becomes nectar when you attain the object of your sadhana. 
<clears throat> so you, it's, it's considered very arduous spiritual practice, but if you put in the time, the results are tremendous. Baba says, during my sadhana, my spiritual pursuit, I put forth a lot of effort, and I am in the, now in the kingdom of joy. But so many rich people come here from Bombay supporting themselves with two canes. They have motor cars and houses, but still they come to me and put their heads in their hands and cry. <laughs> the joy of their sense pleasures has become the disease of their old age. You should contemplate this and decide how you want to live. You like that? Okay, I think I got... Uh, oh, I'll skip this one for another occasion. It's fabulous, filled with great learning, but we're not ready for it. No, I'm just kidding. I'll do another one. This is, uh, this is actually Sally describing it uh, from 1977. She writes, Baba has taken Chetra Sanyas, Chetra's place. That means not moving from a place, which means he's vowed to stay in one place for a while. Uh, he has begun sending his disciples out to give intensives in his place, just as he does in America. Last weekend, Amma, Swami Tejo Mayananda, Malti, Gopal, and Keshav Desai, who runs the Ashram newsletter, went to the neighboring state of Gujarat to give an intensive. Uh, I wasn't in India at this time, but I came a little while later and I was sent out with a bunch of Swamis. We did a big intensive in... Uh, in a, a big hotel in, uh, in Mumbai. And I also traveled around Gujarat with uh, Amma and um, another group. And we gave intensives and programs all through Gujarat. Uh, anyway, so they went to the neighboring state of Gujarat to give an intensive. Uh, Swami Tejo Mayananda gave the touch using pe peacock feathers. Everyone experienced Baba's presence very strongly. One woman said that in her meditation, Baba had appeared and told her that he was going to show her God. He began leading me, this is what she said, he began leading me down a flight of stairs. This is in her meditation. We kept going down and down. After a while, I started to get scared. When we came down to the bottom, oh, when we come to the bottom, you'll see God, Baba said. Finally, we got to the bottom. There was a room this is in her meditation. In the room, in the middle of the room, was a TV set. And right on the TV set, I saw Lord Vishnu. I felt very happy. <laughs> Cute, huh? Yeah. It's a wonderful time to be with, uh, being with Baba. Just marvelous. And uh, so let's meditate. In this world full of every feeling, full of every possibility, what Baba says is that it's our choice. It's our choice how we can live. If we live in harmony with the self, in harmony with the divine, in harmony with the highest, in harmony with that which is exalted and uplifting, our life will be joyous. But if we live only in the mundane sphere, in negativity, and self-pity, and hatred, and self-hatred, and jealousy, then that's what we get. And the way to achieve that state, that powerful state 
of Shiva Drushti, the vision of Shiva, is through meditation, through self-inquiry, through self-knowledge. The world is very glittering and calls our attention, but the real key is within ourselves. So let's meditate now. We'll meditate for 10 minutes. Go inside, and hidden within every person, even the rank beginner, is the joy of the self, is, is the secret of love, the secret of joy within every person. And there are many ways to approach it, but the simplest way is directly by just looking within and finding that joy. A great aid is the mantra. You can say the mantra, Om Namah Shivaya, and repeat that to yourself. Let other thoughts disappear, and the self will shine forth because the self is our birthright, it's who we really are. So once again, with great love and respect, I welcome you all with all my heart. Let's meditate now for 10 minutes. <laughs> 